Hello and welcome to Indie Apocalypse Radio, your source for um, you know stuff for, uh, about Indie Apocalypse, the the premier alternative game anthology zine. I'm your host, the the creator of uh, Indie Apocalypse, that aforementioned alternative indie. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm trying to trying to not say indie anymore. It's it's technically true, but indie has lost all it's lost all meaning in terms of especially in terms of video games. I think it's definitely lost all meaning. Maybe it holds a little bit more weight in the tabletop realm. And you know what? Believe it or not, we have uh, an expert in I don't know. Maybe I, expert is putting too much on on my guess, but we have a uh, a purveyor of independently made what what a weird thing um independently made tabletop games who you may know from issue 28 of indie apocalypse with whistling wolf cafe it's laura of lucky new games laura how are you doing today doing well and yeah i wouldn't go as far as to say expert but definitely a fan of <laughs> uh a, a creator of a now, indie tabletop, you you folks are very prolific, <laughs> prolific, I would say. Often, it comes with the the benefit of I say, um, not having to program them. It's definitely a different set of skills required. Like there are some skills that certainly run parallel with uh, video games. Yeah, and then there are places where it certainly branches out. <laughs> Yeah, I've, away, you know? I, I've made at least at least um, technically like seventy tables or like role playing games or something. Oh wow! And yeah, sometimes you can like you like develop a lot of systems for them, and it just keeps going, and you have to. And then sometimes it's like a page and a half, and it's very um, abstract. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the other reasons why uh, independent developers are becoming more and more prolific in the TTRPG space is because more and more we're realizing that it's not as hard structured as people thought it once was. Um, You look back into the 90s and, you know, even the early aughts and D&D was the game. I mean, it started branching out with White Wolf, but it was still, you had to read a freaking novel right, just right. to be able to play a game and get a feel for it. But these days, you've got games that fit on the size of a business card. Yeah. People yeah. are starting to understand that a player's imagination is kind of awesome. Right. So let's, let's let them use it more. <laughs> right. You, you don't, suddenly you're realizing, oh, you don't have to give the player, uh, like, 90 to 120 pages worth of lore they can bring most of that stuff themselves exactly you know and we're finding more and more that you know there's definitely a market for that i mean myself i'm a fan of both i yeah. love the crunch um in fact um in a couple hours i'll be meeting with my D group we run a 3e campaign right now yes yeah, so that that is no wait i was saying i have i have books but i think they're 3.5 3.5 is definitely a favorite of mine, but our GM prefers 3E, so yeah. we run with it. <laughs> no, we but, <laughs> we have gotten very lazy, and we're like to the point where we would um, no. I think with my group, nobody wants to be the rules layer. Like nobody is interested in that role. So the the, the differentiations of the minutia between systems has kind of faded away. Makes sense. And it's all about, you know, as long as the table's having fun. Yeah. You know? Like, the campaign we're having now with our GM, he can acknowledge there are good things in 3.5. And as long as we talk with him about it first, nine times out of ten, he'll approve things from 3.5, so long as it doesn't contradict, you know, a rule that he deems important in 3E. Yeah. And that's another thing that, you know, I've noticed in the game industry. I mean, ever since, you know, the very first D&D book, ever since Gygax... It's always been, look, these aren't strict, you know, stay with the straight and narrow. These are just 
here to help you have fun. If you come up with your own ideas, if you need to bash it with a hammer, if you need to, you know, hack it up a bit, go for it. It's just about having fun. And I love that the TTRPG com community, you know, especially the independent developers have just taken that and ran with it. Yeah. The, you know? the, no, I have... I have an upcoming one which really um, stretches the notion of uh, what is a game. It may have oh, been, nice. it may have been submitted even to a, a a not a game game jam, but I liked its spirit and its presentation a real an awful lot. <laughs> I yeah, I came up with a uh, pass the game, which actually one of my friends in my D and D group came up with, and. Uh, I refined a little bit and a friend of mine who's also a creator I don't know if he actually did it or not but he he said he was going to submit it for not a game it's just <laughs> like things because it's just a business card and it's like you try to pass it to someone who's never played it before and if you manage to do it you win the game but if you don't you lost the game and it's just kind of you know, it has my contact information on the card, so yeah. let's be real. It's just to get my name out there, but it's fun, you know, especially once things die down a bit more and we can actually gather in groups a bit more often. Yeah, and and then it shows, hey, did I did I retain? Did, does this person remember me? Exactly. It's a bit of a memory game. And then as it spreads more and more, if you have, you know, enough observation skills, you can see it being passed in the room. You can try to see who's had it and who hasn't. Yeah, there's a there's a mixture of like the idea of almost like like parlor games sneaking into tabletop role playing games as people get more abstract with like play mechanics. Yep. <laughs> like you know, once when you start using like Jenga towers, you're kind of like, yeah. at, at what point are you like deviating further and further from like halfway between? tabletop and LARP and parlor and all sorts of this abstract um I don't know live play space what have you what would you I don't know I don't know if there's a word for all these things put together it's funny because I actually tweeted at one point as I was working on tea harvest which is my latest game yeah when does a tabletop RPG stop being an RPG and start being a board game because yeah. one of my play testers and friends a uh, shout out to Warped Board Games. So enjoyed playing it that they felt compelled to make a game board for it and just went all out. And I included the files when I uploaded the game because they did such an awesome job on it. And it's like, okay, so is this a TTRPG? Is this a board game? Um, hmm. You know? Right, right. And like, how, how many skill cards do you add to D and D before that is becomes a board game? You know. Right. Uh, it's just it's it's been getting more blurred more and more and even in the big name industries you've got gloomhaven you know yeah i mean i've heard it described as a ttrpg that happens to be you know a bit more on the board and then i've heard it described as a board game that has some role play in it so yeah. it's like where where is that line right right i don't know i mean is is the line is the is the perfect balance the old like hero quest game you know mm -hmm. that is it's, that kind of like or at least like the an early version of that middle ground yeah it's really interesting but speaking, it's like oh go ahead no i was gonna say no no finish your thought well it's like the very first um game i made under the lucky newt name one Cranky Dragon is also going to be the inspiration of one of our future game jams, which is Get Up and Move. And the idea is it's a game that you don't stay at the table for. So for One Cranky Dragon, it's definitely directed more towards the young and the young at heart. Yeah. But it's all about, you know, you jump, you know, you avoid the dragon attacks. You have to dance for the forest dragon or forest uh, guardians and all these different things to get people to actually get up and move around and get the blood flowing so it's like is that still a ttrpg or is it more of a just movement game you right know? <laughs> and if you're doing role playing are you is that is that larping now you know yeah it's a it's a it's a weird line 
But speaking of all these myriad of tabletop RPGs, tell me a little bit about the T-Bundle, the game that was included, or the, the collection of games, rather, that were included in Indiepocalypse 28. So the T-Bundle, I was actually raising funds for the artwork for Whistling Wolf Cafe. Um, so that's the main game in there. It was originally a solo game. I also made a multiplayer version. Still making tweaks to the multiplayer version, but once the tweaks are done, it'll be uploaded to the same game page as the multiplayer version it's on now. So if you've already purchased uh, Indiocalypse um, number 28, you'll still have access to that upload. But um, I was inspired by um, a song from an anime, actually. Um, the Wolf Whistling Song by Rocky Chat. And it's just a fun, sweet, whimsical song. And a lot of the components, it's a cafe simulator. And a lot of the components are actually named after little things in the song. Like, um, I have apple scones with marmalade moons as one of the things you can purchase. I have uh, Wonderway Tea, uh, Bluebird Sea uh, Tea Blend. There's... Um, just a variety of things that are named from components of the song. It's a 15 to 20 minute game in the solo version. And it's just, you're serving customers. There's three customers around or an hour. And then at the end of the hour, you can purchase some things to help you earn more tips. And you're rolling dice uh, D6 against the cards that you draw that represent the customers. Yeah. And the um, suit of the card represents the customer's preference while the number of the card represents what the customer needs, if they're lethargic, if they're hyper, if they, you know, things like that. And the closer you get to the target number with your roll, the better you brew the tea and the happier they are with it, you know. And depending on what they want versus what they need, there's different modifiers. Um, the items uh, that you can buy from the shop offer different bonuses, so there's like a bunch of different ways to strategize. I also threw into the bundle um, the Enchanted Tea, and it was inspired by a game by Beth Jackson of Beth and Angel Make Games uh, called Everyday Enchanter. Beautiful game. Highly recommend checking it out. Um, but this one is you get a hot drink if you're having a hard day or if you need a little pick-me-up or if you're, I don't know, going into a big project for work or something. And you can either randomly roll what the tea is and what it does for you, or you can pick and choose. And it's a bit of a thought exercise. Um, the wording is specifically um, written to try to really immerse yourself in the idea that this hot drink in front of you is something truly special, something that will really help you out with whatever it is you need from it. And so... I'm hoping that between the three games, the two versions of Whistling Wolf Cafe and uh, Enchanted, uh, wow, I just blinked, Enchanted Blend, that it will make people smile. It will bring a bit of happiness. And because the cards for Whistling Wolf Cafe, it's all like a, not a roll table, but you have to look up what the card symbolizes. Yeah. I'm hoping that by getting the custom art, I can make some custom cards that you can print out leave it with playing cards and it'll be that much easier because i i'm gonna be honest i want to play this with my friends right right and i don't want them to have to constantly refer to a sheet of paper to see what each card means yeah there's so, there's a reason a lot of um, indie games use decks of cards and d6s because it's the assumption that a lot of people just kind of have them lying around their house mm -hmm. rather <laughs> whether they just bought them or people just kind of Quite slowly inherit board games and decks of cards. Yep. <laughs> and they all just use six sided dice. And there's, yeah, and you've been talking, like you mentioned, two of them have um, like solo versions. And solo RPGs are definitely something that I think is very much within the realm of the like the, the, the indie tabletop developer. I don't know. Are there, are, are there any large, like Hasbro is not putting out solo RPGs, you know? I don't yep, think. But uh, it's interesting because it's like I'm in uh, the Weird Draft Games uh, Discord server, so I get to talk with the owner here and there. And from what I picked up, solo games, at least pre-2000 or 2020, yeah. weren't really big on the market. People just, when it came to the big names, 
weren't really interested in them. So if you wanted even a solo board game, you either had to try to hunt down one that had that as an option that was mainly a multiplayer but had a solo variation on it, or you had to go to the indie market. And I feel like it's just one of the things that makes the um, independent tabletop RPG creators truly unique. I'm into other servers that focus on solo games because of, you know, what happens has been happening with 2020 and yeah. <laughs> because of life in general. Sometimes it's just, especially for introverts or those who have different, you know, things that they're working through. It's just, you want something you can do on your own without having to interact with people some days. And it, the, so many of the games are either a lot of fun, challenge you to step outside your comfort zone, or are really good mental health tools, I've noticed. Like, no one's here claiming to have a degree in psychology or psychiatry. Right. I mean, I know that there's a couple out there, which is pretty awesome. But we're doing the best we can to kind of help each other out through games. And it's really awesome. Like I did with Enchanted Blend. It's just, it, I don't even know if you can 100% call it a game. Yeah, yeah. It's more a thought exercise, but it's something to do on your own or to even, you know, guide someone through if they're going through a hard time. It's like, I've had my hard times. And if someone like was reading this to me and just had me focusing on my daily you know hot cup of tea yeah and really trying to imbue it with that good energy i think it would help so yeah. i'm hoping it helps others yeah it, it's it kind of gamify is a is a weird weird way to put it you know yeah. but but it, it does it kind of like sometimes putting like a different structure around something helps you do something whether it's like gets you into a routine like well maybe you want to you wanted to have like tea every morning but sometimes you forget and sometimes you're like oh i'll get to it later but having like even if it's like this five ten minute thing that you put aside that you enjoy with it it helps you get into these routines and helps like create it make it something more than just like that easily skippable activity you know and then maybe you don't always play enchanted blend but then you know, your your fallback is, well, I'm still going to have the tea, you know. Like, there have been studies recently that have come out that have shown if it is important to schedule in, if you need to, that small part of your day that's just for you. Yeah. It's actually shown to improve mental health. It's been shown to, you know, make people more productive, make them a bit happier. Just slot in that time, no matter how you have to squeeze it in. Because guess what? You matter, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and as someone in the chat pointed out, it's kind of like, um, you know, there's a million, there's countless, there's endless single-player video games, but you can get that same feeling from, you know, board and tabletop games. So there's no, there's no reason that why. The only thing that's stopping you is, I guess, like yourself and the fact that you don't necessarily have as strong a... That's not true. You have like I'm. I am very much a person who says the 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 game is just another player at the table. So solo games themselves aren't necessarily like solo games, you know. Exactly. You're playing with the rules, There's... or you, in a way, you're playing with a developer. And it's a lot of fun because it's like I've seen. I had the absolute honor of being a part of the solo but not alone bundle, uh, the second one. Yeah. And. The games that I went through, I was doing like little single tweet blurbs to give people an idea of what they'd get if they bought the bundle. And some of the games are absolutely incredible. I mean, I'm talking about games that help with productivity, games that help with, you know, fight against negative thoughts, games that are like absolute silliness, games that are, you don't feel like you're alone when you're playing a lot of these games because the way it's worded, the way it's developed, it does feel like the creator is right there with you. So I even hesitate to call them solo games. More like just two-player, except the second player is the game, like you said. Yeah, yeah. And um, for the 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 person, I know um, indie tabletop people bundled a lot. There's, like, always indie tabletop bundles going on. 
pretty much yeah. like there's probably one going on right now and they're all around different themes sometimes they're fundraising sometimes they're just theme based sometimes they're just like hey let's get some money um i, I know of one book there is like i just looked it up and it's i think i i it's got a bad it's got a bad cover i'll be honest i don't like the cover it's it's um uh, like a uh what's it called the ultimate it also has a bad title i don't like the title either um which the ultimate micro rpg book which is like a bunch of 40 micro if you want them all in one collection it's 40 micro rpgs and i trust that like the book and the contents are good and cool um so don't let the the very kind of generic um folks don't judge this book by its cover is what i'm saying um um james damato edited it who is a um a long-standing kind of like i don't actually i don't know offhand if he's done any tabletop design but you know actual play with a large focus on like indie rpgs and that sort of thing yes so it published like 40 weird indie games and i bet if you look at the names you'd be like oh i know all these indie tabletop designers you know but that would be to know more and more (laughs) that would probably be a good book to look to if you're like i want a book of like indie games and look at this it's ebooks and paperback books it's got it all i gotta do a shout out for tiny tome yes 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 because uh, one of my second game ever made, Five Second Rule, uh, based on a uh, mechanic of my design, um, originally called 3D60, now called Diversified. Yeah. And it made it into the Tiny Tome, and they're all single-page RPGs, front and back at most. And a lot of them are just, I swear, they belong on shelves. They should be in like Barnes and Nobles, you know. Yeah, I knew there was like there was two of them. I was like, "What is the other one?" And I could not remember it. <laughs> but that is the and one. And it's it's got the it's little sword. That's, yeah. Huh? I was saying it's got the little it's, sword. That's a paperclip. Yep. And its predecessor is Tiny Library, which, if I remember right, is the size of business card or playing cards, one or the other. Yeah, probably. There's there's what we're saying. There's a lot of these things out there, you know. Yeah. It's just um that's that's why I um I I tend to skew away even though I get like a decent amount of tabletop submissions I tend to skew a little bit away from them because I feel like as an outsider looking in the tabletop RPG the indie space has got it's act better together than the video game space you know where uh, maybe you know no not near similarly not rolling around in money we're not all millionaires <laughs> but, yeah but there's it, feel, it feels like a more cohesive it, indie space you know it's funny that you have that perspective because as a ttrpg creator it feels like the video game designers at least on itch.io yeah have it a lot easier selling their games oh i mean that's because prob- of the visual. <laughs> that's probably true that, that might be true but <laughs> Uh, I I wonder in general about like what the itch sales numbers are. Um, yeah, so do I. It's it's a curious beast. Yeah, <laughs> uh, gen- I, I think it's mostly because Bandcamp just tells you what they are. So I, I wonder the same. I wish itch had that kind of like transparency of it because I wonder like how are my sales compared to just like general itch as a marketplace? You know. Yep. And it's, it's hard Should to I tell. Should I be pushing more? Should I let up more? Right, right. Is it's, it... And something a lot of people don't think about is, at least on the TTRPG side, when you're not working as a team, I don't work with a team. The most I get is, like, I have help with playtesting. I do get another set of eyes on my work to make sure I don't make very simple, stupid grammar mistakes. Yeah. And other than the help that... Um, warped board gave me on um the game board for tea harvest i'm usually trying to figure it out on my own so i have to be a writer an editor i have to be able to do the layout the formatting i have to be able to do the sales pitch i have to be able to get it out there the marketing you know just all of these things and it's things that i think a lot of people who haven't been on this side 
you know, whether you're creating video games or tabletop RPGs, we have a lot we were expected to handle. Yeah. And a, a lot of people take that for granted, but it's definitely multiple jobs rolled into one. Yeah, it's 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 a lot going on. And yeah, yeah, 20 exact 20 views a day for hot news from the chat for being on the top at, at one point at one point in time that was like enough to get you in new and popular yeah so it's like <laughs> it's it's very weird in terms of like how itch works and it's getting especially like weirder now that is like there's a lot of it's it's going down the humble humble bundle route in a lot of ways where a lot of, there's a lot of like just massive bundles and that's what everyone's like itch i'm worried that itch is becoming like the big bundle spot you know and i hate to say it but at least because i've only been doing this for a year but i have like i think it's like 35 titles under my name now yeah but that is at least from what i've seen for my games the bundles are where the money is. Right. That's where the bulk of my income has come from for creating TTRPGs. Yeah. Then that's, and... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, that is like, I think, I mean, I would be lying if I told you, I didn't think anthologies are a good way to get people's attention, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a good model. I think uh, they scale up with you high. Um, I think yeah. once you want, I think once people are making like less than a dollar or something per sale, you're kind of like, and eh, gets a little questionable. And then once you're making like practically nothing, you're like a penny on a penny on the sale. Then it's like, yeah, I was actually a part of a really large bundle recently. We we're talking about, I think it was like triple digit creators. Yeah. And it was easily penny on the couple dollars, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's... It was, like, it was great that they managed to raise so much money. That it, it did make a good chunk of change. But ultimately, because there were so many creators, we only saw so much of it, you know, individually. Um, it's a hard situation. And with the charities, understandably so, a lot of those bundles for different charities... You know, you got, you know, triple digit games for barely any money, but then you've got the bundles where the, pro you know, profits are split evenly for 25 or $30. Yeah. And even when you've got like 80, 90, 100 games, that still seems high to people because they're used to seeing like 300, 400, 500 games for $10. Yes. No, I've, <laughs> I've had people saying, hey. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of talk about just like general value of things, and I'm I am a real indie kind of guy, so I'm like 50, my 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 pricing for indie platforms was based on like zine pricing, you know, how mm -hmm. much how much would you people pay for like a, a twenty page twenty four page zine or mini comic, and in my yeah. experience at like my local indie comic show, it's like fifteen bucks. It's like generally yeah. for like a big eight and a half, especially because it's a it's an eight and a half. Uh, nice by 11 and then people would pay like 15 bucks and that's like that's like the market for that so that's kind of what i based it on and it definitely feels like touch and feel because um i take part in a lot of sprinting owls bundles yeah um and but it's like there are some themes that sell faster than he can keep up with with the goals and then other themes that just hardly sell at all and another part of his timing and trying to get that down. And it's like, there's just so many variables that factor in. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, more. Yes. I, th the, the, <laughs> we are running into, uh, more people from the chat talking about kind of what the, the problem I'm trying to solve in terms of indie games is that like people at indie comic shows are enthusiasts. And I don't know if there are, if there are like, as many indie game enthusiasts people who would like go to indie shows and like love to kind of like love the the thrill of the exploration you know yeah the like oh i don't know what i'm getting but i'm gonna get a hundred dollars worth of it you know <laughs> <laughs> i do know we have i live in um the pacific northwest yeah 
And we have OrcaCon out here every year. Yes, I was and, just speaking to someone briefly about for for an upcoming showcase. I was talking to the the founder of OrcaCon. Oh wow! Okay, I want to tune into that one, but um, it's really cool because by keeping it small, it feels more personable. Yeah. And I can't speak for anyone else, but when I attended it, um, as you know, someone looking at different games. I had a. I felt more compelled to explore things that I wouldn't at say, you know, the bigger convention. Yeah. That have all the big names and all the big brands. You right, know? right. When you go, oh, I guess I'll get a Pathfinder book or something. But when there are no Pathfinder books, what it you... kind of compels you to explore more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think that is like a a far more niche market, obviously. But it's a, I think it's also a semi more um, not not easily sustainable, but it is like more sustainable to just like be able to have like you know business card games and like small zine games that you printed out yourself and yeah. But the 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 indie game space is like you said besides you know there are a couple small ones but like for tabletop games even even tabletop games i think it's mostly still like big okay. shows you know yeah it's, it's, it's like i will give this much with um because we live within driving distance of PAX West. Yeah. So usually that's the one convention we'll go to since we don't have to get a hotel or a flight or anything. And I've noticed the indie space for video games has been, or at least we haven't really been since, you know, pre-2020. Yeah. But we noticed that it had been progressively getting larger and larger and larger as, you know, more and more indie developers were renting space. Well, I'll tell you some of those indie developers, a lot of their budgets are getting larger and larger and larger. Yeah, that definitely helps. So, so when <laughs> when you're talking about a, uh, an indie game budget of like multi millions, I'm I'm side eyeing that and going, is that really yeah. is that really indie or is that just like? That's a good point. You're, that, that's a very good point. Yeah. When do you cross the line from indie to big company? Right, right. At one point, um, you know, are you an indie musician if your parents have Wikipedia pages? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, 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 that eternal question. Yep. And it just, it seems like as the market grows and there are more opportunities rising up, I mean, it seems like the whole theme of this entire conversation has where's the line, right. you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's um, right. It's like, is White Wolf indie or whatever? You know, because they're not owned I by call Hasbro. It indie, but that's me. <laughs> uh, because they're not owned by Hasbro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In, in the same way, is like another is another multi million dollar indie game maker indie because you know EA doesn't own them. Yeah. So it's like, where do you? And I know where the. Where where the where those developers will draw the line, they will draw it wherever it's convenient to label themselves indie or not. And right now, it's probably very convenient to label yourself indie, even if you have like a a publisher and a massive budget, yeah, and more money to make your game than I'll ever see in my lifetime. Right. <laughs> it's like I don't make a livable income. You know, as right. an indie developer, I don't have a whole team I can hire. The help that I've gotten has been purely uh, voluntary, and I absolutely love those friends for it because they are amazing to right. spend their precious time on helping me. But this is definitely indie developer territory. <laughs> yeah, I saw a, a thread recently about how kind of you need to somewhat acknowledge that like the DIY punk spaces are also kind of kind of funded on the back of the rich kids who want to be part of them you know yeah. and they they that's how maybe you get community center spaces to play your your dirty punk shows and that kind of thing yep yeah and someone someone's dad owns a someone's dad owns a thing that they'll let you they'll lend they'll lend you out their hall for a weekend so you can play their show because they they want to they want to muck it up with the common people and they want to yeah. And sometimes, sometimes, honestly, sincerely, not it's not always pulp style, you yeah. know, <laughs> poverty tourism. 
I think sometimes people are like, I didn't ask to be born into a multi-million dollar family and I'm trying to get rid of it and who knows, but uh, that's a whole other giant conversation that we're not going to yeah. get into at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right, but um, oh, we're here theoretically talking about games, I think. Or actually, we're, um, I think this is, we're going to have like a, this is, folks, this is a shorter show than usual because um, there's only one guest here today. Hi. And we're not going to, I'm not going to, Laura, I'm not going to capitalize all of your day talking because I could honestly just like ramble forever and I'll, and I will go on forever. You're very easy to talk with. Well, thank you. The The feeling is mutual sometimes. And I, I do not begrudge people, um, but sometimes it is harder. Like they, I think some people know how, how shy they can be. And some people have more confidence and I pl- I applaud them for giving it the, the try. <laughs> but sometimes it's like, oh, I was too nervous. I was far too nervous. And I, I admit, my first interview, I had so many butterflies in my stomach. I, oh my gosh. I had made a pot of tea ahead of time. Yeah. And I downed the entire pot, like within the first 20 minutes. I was so nervous. No, listen, if you told me, if you told high school me that I would just be just doing this sort of thing nonstop, that I'd be this kind of gregarious out there kind of person, I would not have believed you for a second. (laughs) But I just started doing it. And then it kind of, I don't know, I never stopped doing it. It's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, I like the space. I like being able to like, you know, hang out with people because I can't travel to, um, the Pacific Northwest unlikely, but it's, it's, it's a way to have those kind of like post conversation hangouts. That's what this show is. It's the post con hangout of that. Oh, that's some, maybe that's my, my lead in my um, intro. Yeah. It's the, Cause it does. It kind of feel, I was actually going to say before you said that um, it feels like I'm just at a pub with you. There's, you know, a picture of beer between us just, yeah hanging out that's because that's what i want because i'm not listen interviewing it's a skill and i don't think i'm bad at it but i also don't i'm not like an interviewer you know I'm, yeah i'm more a a mostly because it requires a lot of re, i think it requires more research than i'm going to do in advance to be a good interviewer <laughs> <laughs> to be to, to prepare a series of questions well i'm usually um, asking one question and then sort of following the thread to where it goes which is one stylistic approach, I, pr- I guess. Oh, I forgot. But there's the uh, there's the old tip of people enjoy talking about themselves. Yes. So just <laughs> use questions that get them talking about themselves, and you'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Ask people questions about themselves, and they'll they'll go they'll go forever. <laughs> but um, sp- oh, speaking of, I forgot to ask you <laughs> the most important question of this entire show. Uh, which is, how did you hear about Indiepocalypse? Um, so I was actually at the jam page, and you know how twitchy the Itch.io jam page can be, trying to find specifically something that would fit the TTRPG slot. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's, eight, saw, there's like 8 billion jams now. Yeah. And then I saw, and there's no way to filter them, really. Right. Not effectively. Yeah. But I saw the indie part of Indiepocalypse and caught my eye, decide, screw it, I'm going to see what it is. And I saw that you would consider tabletop RPG games, too. And it's like, cool. You know what? It's not going to hurt. Probably not going to make it, but can't hurt to try. Worst that'll happen is it won't be picked. Yeah. And that was number, I want to say I initially tried for number 26 or 27. Didn't get picked. Tried again for number 28 and got picked yeah so yeah woo-hoo. that's that's the that's the system you know just keep trying because sometimes i i will never tell you to your face that you'll never get included so maybe if you submit like three or four times <laughs> and, and you never get my um my wait list email that i send out sometimes if i'm feeling like it if you never if you send if you do that you never get that email maybe just stop because maybe i just yeah. i just and it may not even be that you other people might love the game, but I just like it just does not work with me. It does I well, look one, at it, I go I go, not interested. One trick that helped for me was I didn't get the waiting list email the first time. And it's but possible I did I, try different 
I did try different games yeah. the second time I entered. Right, and it's Just, it's entirely possible that month I didn't send it. Because <laughs> I, I have to admit, I did. I did tell. I did kind of spread the word. Yeah. Hey, he actually accepts TTRPGs that you know appeal to him. So give yeah. it a shot. This is yeah. kind of awesome. No, that's <laughs> I encourage people to spread the word. Yeah, I, I usually I usually cap out at two. Mm-hmm. Um, TTRPGs per thing because like because you know you've you've all got your bundles like I said you feel like you got your act together better than video game folks do. Right. <laughs> um, We're just faking it until we make it, right? Yeah, yeah, and you're doing a great job of faking, helping each other out, and forming communities, and like doing this, doing doing like the anthology style work without me needing to help you out there. Say, so most of us are role players. We've got to be good at it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, like even like the community copy approach is like a very different thing than like you do, you very rarely see community copies for games. Oh, it's great! I absolutely love it because it's like money's been super tight for us this year. We had a death in the family. Yeah. Um, on the East Coast, and we did we had to do like three flights to the East Coast within a year, which really tried our budget. Yes, that but is a lot. It's. And I know I am far from the only person struggling this year. So being able to give back when I see other developers with the community copies and actually willing to take their hard-earned you know, time and all this effort that they put into the game and be like, hey, I know this, you know, things can suck sometimes. Here you go. Here's something to cheer you up. Yeah. and It's I th- like, it, it feels like the least you can do is pay it forward. Right. You know? <laughs> And it helps, like, encourage the space, I think. Oh, absolutely. Where it's, like, especially, like, um, it's you know, it's hard to give a trailer for a tabletop game, you know? Yeah, it's, and it's... what I've Are... noticed some developers do that I actually take them up on is they'll provide the, like, the printer-friendly or the plain version of their tabletop game yeah. for free. And then you can get the fancier one that's, like, all spiffy and in color and all these nifty things for extra, you know, you uh, pay a little bit for it. And it's great because people can still have access to the base game if they're not doing so well or can't afford to pay for much. Right. And if you can afford to pay for more, it's there. Yeah. it's And uh, it just seems like an awesome setup. Right. Like you go, Oh yeah. I got like this, this sort of like shorter, maybe like maybe even like a quick start version that doesn't have, all the dent, like maybe it doesn't have more systems, maybe it doesn't have every class, but it like gives you a sense of like what the game is, you know? Yep. And then you're like, oh, and it also gives you a sense of like, hey, because I think the going from like your your D and D into just like <laughs> even like yeah, you know, what's his what's his name? Uh. You know the guy Grant is it Grant Howitt? Is that yes. the name I'm looking for? Who who who's and and people I think like critical role people like you know big fancy popular tabletop yeah. role players have played some of Matt his Mercer games. And, yep. Have they've played a game or two of his and like I he, even don't those are know like a, if Matt Mercer has. I I listen. I I am so far from the the world of actual play role playing. You know. I, yeah. I, I I tried the one, the one everybody really liked, and then I hated it like immensely. Oh, these days there's a few people yeah. really liked, like oh, I, uh, lasers and feelings. You've got honey highs. Oh no no, got... I was talking about the actual play podcasts. Oh okay yeah. No I'm I'm a huge <laughs> I'm a big fan of playing tabletop role playing like indie like weird indie games. That's like exclusively what we my group plays. I'm. I love them. I love just like really abstract kind of like just ab- like or just like absurd systems or weird play styles or just like just someone spent a lot of time thinking about this particular setting kind of thing. Um, yeah. Big. No, it, big fan. It does. It does feel like more of the podcasters who usually just cover the big names are starting to see. Oh wait, there is a market for these funky silly weird you know groovy games yeah. so there might be an actual audience here of other right. people who might be curious but don't know where to start yeah yeah and they're listen like i mean i mentioned one shot earlier there have been people who have been in the grind like forever you know doing mm-hmm. that kind of stuff 
But... No, it's pretty cool. And it's like, like I said, I started out with Super Crunch, with yeah. D&D, with, uh, well, what I consider Super Crunch White Wolf, because you have to read, you know, several pages, small books. But um, I, I tried playing, you know, um, with John Wick. No, not that John Wick. Yeah. Uh, his big book, Little Games. And it just didn't work well with my group. And I had been turned off of smaller games. It's like, I need the crunch. I need the system. And I started in getting into the TTRPG space by going into board games first because um, PAX West had a group of indie developers for board games that I chatted with. And I started trying to create my own board games and it kind of sucked. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I actually came across... Um, the one-page TTRPG jam um, through the Weird Giraffe Games uh, Discord server. And it was like, you know what? It's supposed to be only one page. I can do one page. I can make this happen. Yeah. And throughout the month, I actually worked on worked out three games. I took months off thinking that would be the end of it. I'm never going to touch this again. And then the same person who ran the uh, jam also did a hackathon where you could hack the system of any of the entries as long as it was covered by the right license or you had permission from that year or the year before. And the ideas have been flowing since, you know, since I think it was in December was when I thought it might finally stop. And it just, I kept creating, but I went from being super crunch. I can't do the fast and loose. I can't do the smaller systems to just fully immersing myself in it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is like, and as someone from the chat says, that's actually also the kind of actual plays that I like the idea of, which is, which is why I'm confused that so many of them use D and D because I enjoy yeah. them. Like, I'm not like, yes, D and the only one that I, the only one that I like, um, and regularly listen to is, um, by friend of the friend of the zine who did like cover of issue eight, I believe uh, uh, the, the, the game master of that um, is Neo scum. But um, that's, I, I, don't, I don't listen to that. Cause I'm like, yeah, dude, I love shadow run. <laughs> you know, yeah. I listen to it. Cause I'm like, Oh, I, I like this improvised, this like well-produced improv improv show. It's like, they're, they're, they're like, yes, Neo scum is good. Neo scum. Good. <laughs> You just come good indeed. Um, um, yeah. I want to do a shout out to Critfail, K-R-I-T-F-A-Y-L-E. Okay. Um, yes. They have a p podcast for rules light games. Yeah. Um, they do the bigger ones like 7th C, but they also do the smaller games, which I think is awesome. And they do it like an actual old style radio play. Yeah. I think that's, it's, it's this really weird in between space that's grown up. Um, probably because of a, a very heavily edited tabletop role-playing game that I don't particularly, or actual play that I don't particularly care for very much. Um, but their, their editing probably encourages kind of like edited style, which I really like. Um, and I think it's cool that like, there are so many people who are like taking this approach to like, yeah, you know, they're like radio shows, you know? <laughs> Yeah. The, the, I mean, in essence, even the unedited ones feel like a radio show when you're yeah. listening to them, especially when they're covering the smaller games, because it's like, I don't know, there's something about the smaller games that seems to give players more of an unspoken permission to go wild with it. Yes, yes, because you don't have to worry about um, stakes or or whether your character lives or dies or that kind of thing. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to worry about winning the game. Exactly. And I love kind of... to lose the game. <laughs> oh, God, what was that one game? Um, which is like the ultimate way to break players out of being scared of dying. Uh, Paranoia, I think it okay. is. And I... it's all about... It's crazy. It's yeah. just... You will go through characters like they're nothing <laughs> no i i i think we what we were playing we were playing um lamentations of the flame princess which is i think is like this that's interesting which is like an osr style um one of those ones and i had a character die like right at the beginning of a session like <laughs> and i think i also died later during that session 
I had, no. I had gone through like um, six to eight clerics by the time we were done. Just like <laughs> nonstop, just dying. And I, it and just, I, <laughs> it's fun. It feels like that there's just, there's two different types of players. Yeah. There's ones who will do anything to keep their character alive. And then there's the one who's like, oh, is it about time for me to roll another sheet up? Yes. Yeah. I, <laughs> like, I, even I, in this campaign, even in this three D&D campaign, you know, where most people are very, oh my God, don't die, don't die, don't die. There have been so many times where it's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, should I start rolling up another character? And the other players at my table are like, no, we'll find a way to save you. It's like, okay. That's, but this would be a really cool dramatic twist in the story. Right. Yeah. No, that's what I, I love about. I had just played Troika for the first time fairly recently. Oh, wow. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's basically built for that. Like, there's a good online character generator that every time he's like, oh, man, I want to generate another character. Nice. And then, you know, it, it's built to the idea of like you're constantly entering these new wild worlds after every session, more or less. So it makes sense to like reboot your characters. Yep. And that's cool. Uh, I I love I I love weird systems. I love making up and playing weird characters. Uh, it can be a blast. Yeah. It's it, like one of my one of my favorite D and D characters I ever played was so flawed. She was a fighter who had a lot of immense strength. I mean, some people would argue that she was min max, but I right. um. <laughs> I did the random rolls and I intentionally gave her a low int, which was going to suck for any skill check at all. Yeah. But I did that intentionally because up to that point, I'd played nothing but well-balanced characters. And I found myself bored with that. Right. And by giving her this immense flaw where she was incredibly strong, incredibly sweet and bubbly, but dumb as a brick. Yeah, I I very similarly... um, (laughs) Let the let the random stat line determine how I play my characters. Nice. Oh, because, those are fun. Which which often like I realize I skewed towards playing younger characters because you always start at level one. So I'm like, oh, it makes sense that I'm young and inexperienced because I'm level one. And, yep. <laughs> uh, but and it, you see, hmm? no, no, no. Continue. You see so many complaints about you know level one through three or level one through four is useless in D and D. But if you go at it just like that with the idea, no, this character is brand new to adventuring. It makes sense they can't hit worth anything. You know? Right. <laughs> I, I, I'm a big fan of sort of like the, the comedy of errors of role-playing game. Yes. <laughs> the, the dice are meant to be respected and feared as, the, as an agent of chaos at the table. Yeah. Because let's be real, it doesn't matter how skilled you are at a thing, you're always going to have those moments where you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, yeah, and listen, also, they're not real. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's it's, it's all make-believe. I know those chick tracks have warned you, but we're not all all Debbies, you know? Don't even get me started on that. Oh. But anyway, anyway, speaking of not getting started, I, I, I tried to end the show 20 minutes ago, and then I just kept going. Um, but you know what? I think that's how these, like, I think I told you beforehand that, like, you know, ah, oh, we'll just do 20. But then I think I think solo shows tend to go for, like, a good half hour honest, or a good hour because it's just kind of like where's – you just start talking, and it yeah, just flows. Yeah, topic leads to topic, leads to topic, leads to topic. Yeah, you know? it's people are easy to talk to, and I love to talk to people. <laughs> but uh, Def- definitely a great quality for a host for a show like this. Thank you. I, I've I've been listening for a while. I like was avoiding um, talk shows, or like I just I wasn't listening to hosted style shows. Mm-hmm. Then I've been getting more into listening to a a. a at least one hosted style show and like picking up the tricks of the trade. And also they have most of my kind of like tendencies anyway, which is a weird kind of thing. So it's also a sense of don't become too much that one person, you know? Oh boy. Yep. Um, 
but yeah, I love I love just talking. I love bouncing off of people. I love just hanging out. But speaking of hanging out, we're done hanging out. But if we if people wanted to hang out and play your games, where would they get those games, Laura? What, look at that. What look a up, uh, it's very simple. Lucky Newt Games on Itch.io has all my titles. Oh, um, most of them have community copies. If you want to see a community copy and you happen to own any of my games already, be sure to rate or comment. Or even if you don't own a game, you can comment with, oh, I'm really, you know, I'm really excited to play this. And every comment and rating and every dollar uh you, you know put into a game i'll add another community copy i salute doesn't matter if you do one two or all three yeah. um, you can also find me on twitter again at lucky newt games try to keep consistent yeah that's uh, hey that's what i do i keep consistent across everything generally speaking <laughs> in terms of like usernames we're, yeah where we're able <laughs> yeah yeah Technic- technically speaking this thing is called indiepocalypse but it's at pizzapranks.itch.io Nice. Which is, I guess, my brand, and that's what I use for everything. But yeah, no, and you know what? Salute you for keeping up on community copies. I started doing like five community copies to each past issue, and a new issue came out. And I'm like, once I got to like issue twenty, I'm like, this is way too much work. <laughs> There's no button that says add community copies to every issue, so I just gave up. I stopped doing it <laughs> because I just it's too much time. So salute to keeping up the work thank you very much um also uh, a couple things to look forward to the video game hacks ttrpg that we ran has ended we're going through the rating period it's pretty awesome there are some incredible entries and once the rating period is done we're going to put it all into a bundle um and it's all tabletop games that hack a video game in some way shape or form Okay. So, like, the ones that I put in was Whistling Wolf Cafe from the Tea Bundle, but also Tea Harvest, which is a farming sim. I've seen ones that hack fighting games, dancing games, um, dungeon crawlers. It's crazy how creative people have gotten with it. We're yeah. also still trying to put together the Light in the Darkness jam. Um, we already did the jam. We're trying to get the bundle together. Unfortunately, a couple of people weren't able to approve the bundle, so we're going to try that again. We're not giving up on it. So. Yes. That's that's always but, a tricky part of putting together bundles. Sorry, that was mini new. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, whatever it was, it didn't didn't come through to me. Okay. Uh, well, well, perfect, Laura. Um, glad to have you on the show. Maybe we'll have you on another. I part of it. Part of the the shows I like to put people in the room together. You know. Yeah. Uh, but. Maybe we'll have you. I'll have you. I will have you. I say, as if it is not just me here, as the, as a solo host well, producer. Well, I mean, if we're talking like that, you'll have to speak with my husband. You know? Oh yes, uh, put you back on. Have you back on the show with with other guests? That'd but, be awesome. But but for now, um, yeah, because we've I've had I've had you know tabletop developers from like. So like like the Philippines, you know, and I'm okay. now I'm I, I don't make any presumptions about your traveling habits, but I presume you don't find yourself every other weekend over in the Philippines. No, I don't. <laughs> so it's it's it, this is a nice way to connect table, like developers all around the world who otherwise probably would not meet. Absolutely. But for me, for my stuff, where you would let's indiepocalypse.com. It's where you buy the thing. It's, you can also buy it all over the place. Um, if you want to submit your stuff, it's indiepocalypse.com slash submit. Um, all one word. Not the, the that way of saying it was not implying a, an alternate way of spelling it. Um, if you want to get it every week, just delivered straight to you without having to think about it, both in terms of. Um, going to the page if that's all too much work for you entering entering your your payment info every month going to the page you can go to uh, indiepocalypse.com slash patreon just get it all delivered to you once a week get a nice mm-hmm. link uh, if you on the it's just, it's basically a subscription so it's like 15 bucks a month for an issue which is how much they cost but if you only want to do five dollars a month you'll get just the newly commissioned games if you want to do a more traditional um, kind of 
what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you know, like different indie game patrons like there are that are like monthly games. It's, yeah, I, I met that. I, I have changed the model to meet that model. And then you'll also get like a, a $5 off coupon, I think, is how I do it. If you want to just then buy the issue, after, like buy the full issue. You know, that's how the stuff works. I, what is the thing? There's a, I have a URL going on for the pledge drive where you can get eight copies. Oh, it's slash pledge. What? A, I'm so smart about these things. Um, slash pledge. If you're listening to this within the month of July, you can get eight commissioned games for a minimum of $1. And each entry, each, you know, when you buy it, you get a chance to win a lifetime subscription to Indiepocalypse, which is quite the bargain especially because it'll be going for a long time i am 30 months in and i'm looking forward to the next 30 um that's it that's everything (laughs) i don't have anything else to say (laughs) i don't think i think i hit all my plugs that's my stuff well i thank you so much for being here once more thank you for having me and i look forward to coming back yeah, I will figure something out. I'm I'm kind of excited that I'm approaching the end of... I have a big Excel sheet of all the people who I've asked to be on the show. And I color them in with green for yes, red for no. And I'm running out of uncolored spaces. And then I can repeat. Oh, Great. all... all well, I've been repeating, but you... But I mean... Anyway, anyway, goodbye. <laughs>